0: Amen, amen. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, all of you guys, for uh, having me here tonight. Um, And and I just want to reiterate, worship was phenomenal. You guys are uh, beyond blessed to have worship leaders that know how to uh, bring you into the presence of God. And I'll be honest, many churches where you guys are at in these growth stages are not blessed to have that. And uh, so that just tells me even more so that God's got a specific work for this body um, here in Castle Rock because of the people that he's uniting already. Um, if you guys don't know, um, I work with little children. That's what I get to do. And uh, it's, it, I love the fact that it goes well beyond um, 2 plus 2 equals 4 um, while my kids are learning that in school. Um, what I get to do is really get to call out and speak forth um, destiny over children and then steward that and call that out in them. And so a lot of times, of course, we talk all the time about the Bible stories that God has given us in his word. And now being in my age, which I will not tell you, um, he keeps bringing new things out of the word. And so um, today what God really wants to go after is just the walls that stand in the way of our destiny. And it's, it's funny how a lot of times those walls, um, we want to circumvent them, we want to walk a- away from them, we want to go to a different city because we really don't want to deal with the thing that is in front of us. But one of the things we're going to realize tonight is that God oftentimes will do his greatest work as we come against the walls of our destiny. A lot of times that's where the intimacy, that's where the character, that's where the faith is truly forged is in the fire. And so in Joshua chapter 6, I'm going to briefly, I'm going to fly through this passage of scripture. Most of you guys know it, and then we're going to draw some things out of it. It's the famous chapter of Joshua and the wolves of Jericho. And so it says, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and out, and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have. Everybody say, see, I have. See, I have. Deliver Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days, and then have the seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city. And with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched to the head of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. All this time, can you imagine that? All this time they were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word, until... The day I tell you, then shout. Here's what's interesting is Joshua was the only one that knew when that day was going to be. People are walking for what you guys know six days, and they're like, dude, this guy is he on drugs? Like, what is the deal? We're just walking, 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 right? And so he says, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, the priests took up the ark of the Lord, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets, as they did before. On the seventh day. They got up to daybreak, so I'm on verse 15. I skipped a couple. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest shouted a sound of the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are in her house will be spared. He goes on to give the instructions on what else to do. So verse twenty, when the trumpet sounded the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword everything in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. God, tonight we declare that your word will go forth. Your word is piercing, powerful, and never changes. And God, we thank you that tonight your word is going to bring transformation to lives. It's going to break down walls of destiny in our lives and the story that you want to write. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The truth is, guys, is that um, the walls that you are facing right now could simply be, it could be a relational wall. It could be a relational wall in a marriage that you've said, I've tried everything. I've tried this. I've tried counseling. I've tried pastors. And you know what? The walls have not come down. It could be in a room the size that the walls that you are facing uh, to your destiny is a job that God has promised you a year ago and it still has not come to fruition. It could be a relative or a son who is estranged from the Lord and night after night you're on your knees asking God to free them from depression, anxiety, fear, suicidal thoughts and yet your your son continues to struggle over and over again and you're asking God when is the breakthrough? And the reality is, is that all of us have situations, even myself included, where we have walls that must come down. And the reason the walls must come down is because the walls of Jericho stand in the way of our greater destiny. See, in the story of Joshua chapter 6, there was another Ai, a larger city, that was what God was really promising them. And don't forget this, too, that Joshua just led them into the promised land. So everything is supposed to be like honky dory we're free, oh my goodness, big walls. What, God, what, what in the world is going on? And how many times in our life do we, we anticipate this breakthrough, and it seems to be this amazing breakthrough, only to hit another wall? You know, like, oh, what an amazing counseling session with my husband, and this is going to be so great, and then you have the world's greatest fight in the car, right? Right after that counseling session. And that's because these walls in our life are keeping us from our destiny. So what area of your life is your Jericho that you must take in order to embrace all that God has for you. See, the reality is of this. Most people aren't willing to do the work, the hard work, to get to their destiny. We have mentors, Beth and I and my wife. If you guys don't know my wife, she's back there in the sweet hat looking beautiful. Um, um, we have mentors, Ken and Jackie, who are in our life. And they've been in our life for 15 years, and they've been married for how long, babe? 52 years? Okay, a long time. And here's what they say. In, in all of our hardships of marriage and all the work that we've done, they have said, stick it out. Torrance and Beth, stick it out. Because people do not stick it out long enough for the good part. We all, we all quit. We all quit before the good part. And I know there's all kinds of stories in our life. and I know things happen. But here's the deal. The highest divorce, rate, divorce rates are between 20 and 28 years old. And the average marriage lasts eight years. So here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I had no clue what I was doing in my 20s. And it would have been like, yo, dude, easy. I don't know how many times we're like, divorce, divorce, divorce. Let's do it. Let's divorce. Because we didn't stick it out. But now it's just like after 23 years, it's like, ooh, this is is pretty good. But we had to stick it out. And many, many things in our life will not come unless we're willing to walk with God through the hard times, knowing that faith is forged in the fire. Here's the reality. A lot of times... It's much more about the battle that God wants to win in you than he wants to win for you. And a lot of times, if you're anything like me, I'm so bent on the destination that I want to skip the whole process of getting there. And God's like, no, 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 no. You don't seem to understand. I'm working in lap one, I'm working in lap two, I'm working in lap three, I'm lap, because I'm interested in forming who you are as a man. I'm interested in your calling here in the kingdom. And I want to create a man that will be able to be sustained in the palace. That's why I got to work with you when you're in the prison, because when you get to the palace, you have to have the character to be able to sustain the calling that I have for you there. And so that's why it's so important what God does in us right now in this process. And here's the thing. God has the perspective that we need to have. We need to see things with the eyes of the Father. I've got a son. He's nine years old, and he had this great idea that he was going to do wrestling Like a year ago, which my wife was not about. Um, But I took him to the first meet and my son, here's the thing, he is incredibly optimistic, which means he thinks he can do everything. He's good at everything. He thinks he's just the the world's greatest, the most amazing. So his first wrestling match, he's like, I'm going to totally whoop somebody's behind. Like, this is it. Never wrestled before. And anybody ever wrestled in here? Okay. So Nathan, you know, wrestling is not just you just show up and the strongest guy wins, right? You got to know, what do you got to know? Yeah, you got to know your skills and techniques. You know how many skills and texni- techniques my son knew? Zero. So here's the deal. Um, first match, I'm looking around, I'm like, who's going to wrestle? Who's going to wrestle? This girl shows up. Oh. Yeah, this girl shows up, long hair. She looks like she have stepped out of the mountains. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. Really, really skinny. And Campbell's like, I got this. Dad, it's, it's a girl. I'm like, dude, just, let's just see how it goes. Boom, right away. pinned down. Pinned. And she's got his leg all bent up like this, arm like this. And he is like terror in his eyes, freaking out, losing his mind. He somehow makes it past that round. I don't even know how he made it, like squirreling out or whatever the case is. But now he's on the sidelines, and now he's like, Dad, can we please leave? I got to get out of here. Dad, please take me out of here. I'm like, no, son, you, this is your, own, your first match. You got to get back in there. And so he's back in there. He's back again getting penned. And I'm looking at his eyes, and I'm saying, Campbell, come on. You can do this. And he's like, Dad, please rescue me. Now, it's his father, I know, I wish I could go in there and rescue him, but I know it's more important for him to go through that. I know it's more important for the lessons that he is learning right now, even if it's at the hand of a girl, that that was so important because I'm his father and I can see things a lot further down the road than he can. Our father has a different perspective than we do on the walls of Jericho that he's asking us to walk around. He has a different understanding, but it says in Ephesians, it says this, that we are enlightened with the eyes of our heart. The eyes of our heart, that's what sees. It's not this, it's the heart that connects with the Father. That when we see that, then all of a sudden the hope and the glory that he has for us, it's that perfect and beautiful picture because we can see that. So do we see with the eyes of God? Here's what's something that's amazing. God says this in the Word, 1 Corinthians 1 that he chooses the foolish things of the world to shame what? The wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God wants us surrendered so that we can rejoice. Man, the things that God does is so counterintuitive to the world we live in. The kingdom moves in a completely different direction. It would have made sense for Jericho to come down every other way in every other battle. Put the ladders up, scale the walls, shoot them with your bows. But God is like, no, 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 no. This wall is coming down a different way because of what I want to do in you and through you in this Jericho. And it is the exact same way with all of us tonight. Is there's things, and and God was imparting this upon my heart and just in worship. There's somebody here, and I don't know who it is, but you are moving in a relationship in the same way you've been doing it for years and years and years, and it's not going to work. And God's been speaking to you about that, but you're not listening. Because it's comfortable and because it's what you know. But God is saying he wants you to move in a new way in this relationship, in a way that seems counterintuitive, that may not make sense. It may not even make sense to the other person, but God will redeem this relationship, and God will redeem that. So whoever that is, we just bless that word in the name of Jesus. But God is calling you to move in a different way than makes sense, and maybe even makes sense to the person that you're, you're with. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Verse 2, remember it says this, See, I have, everybody say, see, I have. Deliver Jericho into your hands. Here's what's incredibly important about this. God is talking to Joshua, and he's like, (laughs) see, I have. I've already given you Jericho. So what that means is, hold on. The battle's already won. He's like, I've, I've already won the victory. The, the battle has already been done. And what God wants to tell us tonight is, although the walls in your life, although the walls in that relationship, although the walls of that job, you don't have that job yet, God is saying the job is already yours. God is saying the relationship has already been restored. If God has spoken it to you, know that it's already done. And when God has spoken, then our job is to take hold of what he has said. Because in Isaiah 41, it says this, For I am the Lord your God, who, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. He takes hold of your right hand and says, Do not fear. Because he's holding us. He's like, you know, my son, Kimball, like, when he's upstairs and we're downstairs, he's scared. He's like, Oh, there could be a boogeyman. I'm like, Dude, we were just up there two minutes ago. There's no boogeyman. It's okay. But if I'm up there with him or, 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 or Beth... He's not scared of anything. He's like, dude, my mom and my dad are here. God's with us, says Isaiah 41. Take hold and don't let go. Have you guys ever seen uh, the canine training with the police officers when they do that training? And, they, you know, they bring it out. A lot of times they do it for schools. And there's that one poor police officer that has to put on the dummy suit, that one guy. That's like the rookie. He's only been there like six months. And like, Stu, get the suit on. Stu's like, what am I doing? Don't worry, Stu. Just do it. And then all of a sudden Stu gets taken by the dog. Well, there's always like that, that, that demonstration where the dog just lay, just gets in there and digs in, and he's, he's, you're shaking him, and he's just trying to get loose, and the dog will do—he's not letting go until they give some command in German, um, and then the dog lets go, right? It is, I think it's in German, too. Then the dog immediately lets go. There's some people here tonight, you need to be a canine with the word of God that he's given you. You need to lock on and not let go. Because here's what's happening is circumstances are coming against you, situations are coming against you, and, and you're like looking at the situation, looking at the storm, looking at the waves and the wind, and saying, nah, this, this word from God can't be true based upon what I see, based upon what I see with my carnal eyes. But God is saying, man, take hold of this word and do not let go. And Hebrews 10.23, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly. We hold without doubt. We take hold of that, like that canine. Here's something, too, that I think is really important. There's been victories that God, has anybody, has anybody ever had a victory in your life? Come on, right? We, we all have, otherwise you probably wouldn't be, even be sitting here. And so there's this thing, we sing this song, like, here I raise my Ebenezer, right? Hither by thy help I come man, that that Ebenezer back in the Old Testament where they would erect these statues, these these rocks, these these monuments so that they would remember the things that God had done, so that they would remember the victories, so that they could say to their children, hey, you know what? This was the battle of so-and-so when God did this. This was when he parted the Red Sea. And here's the reality, at least in my life, and I'm sure for many of you in here, a lot of times to take hold of that word, I need to look back at, man, he's always been faithful. Jeff just prayed this, that, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so all those times we look back and say, no, no, no. No, I remember when June 10th, 1982, God, amen? And so we hold unswervingly to all that God has done. Sometimes it takes looking look back at past victories. Here's something really, really important that Joshua models for us. Man, Joshua, he's having a one-on-one conversation with God. Amazing. What he models for us is intimacy with God, knowing God's voice. We can't get a word from God. We can't hear what he wants us to do in our Jericho unless we're getting with him in the intimate places, unless there's an intimacy. Because we can get a prophetic word. We can get a word uh, from—we can go um, read a devotional, and those are all great, but it's got to be confirmed by God. It's got to be confirmed by what is God really saying in your life. Because here's the thing, too about prophetic words, and I've received plenty of them, and I I give them, is we don't always know what the timing is of that. But man, somebody released, you're going to get a prophetic word to go to Africa. I'm like, man, I'm buying my ticket tomorrow. I'm going to Africa. God's like, man, two years from now, because there's some stuff I need to work out in you before you're ready for Africa. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part. And so there's, there's, knowing his voice in the intimate place is so incredibly, incredibly important. Here's something else. They were were ready, it says. Verse 3, march around the city once with all of the armed men. The men were ready for battle and prepared long before the walls came down. They were poised for victory. And here's why. Because they understood their position. They understood whose they were, and they understood their position. The battle is the Lord's, it says in verse 17. He has given you the city. And when we don't understand our position— we do the fighting. Anybody ever done that? Like, man, I got I got this one. I'm going to do the fighting. I'm going to take down the walls of Jericho, and we're banging against the walls, and nothing's happening. Nothing's coming down. It's the same walls in our life, same frustrations, same situations, because God's saying, no, no, no. I'm the one that has delivered the city to you. I'm the one that's delivered the job to you. I'm the one that's delivered that relationship to you. So I, I simply need you to rest in the victory that I've already given you. Now, here's what's important about Resting is, and we hear that time sometimes as resting as Christians, we think, I just get to rest and God just does all the work. Well, what I've realized is it's a lot more of a partnership. Now, God doesn't need me, but because he's such a loving father and I'm a son, not an orphan, he invites me in partnership with him to work alongside projects, to work in the kingdom. But here's one of the things that's really important, because there is work. So here's the work, is when the, when the fear comes up or the lie comes up that, did God really say? Because the enemy has been working all of our lives since Adam and Eve with the lie of, did God really say? And so the work for us is taking hold of the word that God has given us. The work is taking that thought captive and bringing it and making it obedient to the God's word and what did God really say? Our work is renouncing the fear and our work is declaring what God has said. Now, I don't know about you, but when God says something to you that doesn't make sense, and for instance, if you're on the brink of divorce and you got two weeks before you sign those papers and God says he's going to redeem your marriage, I'm like, oh, God, I don't think you got this one right. God says, hey, I'm going to deliver that job for you and you're $10,000 in debt. Doubt is coming in. Fear is creeping in. So the work then is it might be 10 times in 10 minutes, it might be 100 times in 10 minutes to say, No, in the name of Jesus, I tell fear to go. In the name of Jesus, I declare that job is mine because God has said it. That doesn't make sense in the world. That's counterintuitive. But that's what it means to rest in God. Well, resting upon the promises, upon the truth that he has already spoken to us in our Jericho and in our situation. So we are fighting in a position of victory, and that has to do much more with rest, because the kingdom is counterintuitive, right? Love your enemies. Give your money away to be rich. (laughs) I mean, it goes on and on and on. To live, you must. Nice job, Emma. You're listening. That's good. I always worry about the high schoolers. It's already ours. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, right? 1 Peter 1, 3 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. We're sons and we're daughters, and that means that we we have it all, and through his grace, he's provided it for us. So the promises that God has given us in our Jericho, God has already done it through his grace, through undeserved favor. It's not anything that we've deserved, but it's because of the work that Jesus Christ has done upon the cross for us that we can rest in that final and that finished work of the cross, because our good father knows best. Grace has everything to do with it. It is what God did for us long before. So Faith is our affirmative response to what God has already done. So there's three things that we do in line with our Jericho is we say, God, give me your eyes to see. So we say that that's a perception thing. So we first perceive our situation in the manner in which God does. So we get in the word. We get in our quiet spot. We get with people who are more mature with us, more mature than us in the faith. And then we get God's perception. So we first perceive. Then we move from perceiving to believing. We then believe God's word. We believe what he said about the promises and the destiny of our life. And then we move into receive. So we go from perceive to believe to then we receive. And that receiving is actually moving forward in faith into what God has called us to do. So those three things we operate in and we operate from. We fight from victory, and here's why. You guys will notice in Joshua chapter 6, it says that the ark, was it, went behind the people? No, it went in front, went in front. And that signifies the presence of the Lord, the presence of God. The ark, the same way in our life, the presence of God has always got to go before us, has always got to be in us and with us and living through us in order for us to see victory in our Jericho. It always does. Because here's the thing that I've learned about my, my Jerichos is God will lay out a plan. Yes, it seems counterintuitive, and it's very different. And I'm, God, I got it. Thank you for the plan. I go over and execute. And a lot of times, because God is wanting this to be an intimate relationship where I'm constantly listening to his voice, the directions might tweak a little bit. It might change a little bit. The timing might be a little different. But if I'm not listening, if I'm not resting in his presence, abiding there, I'm going to miss it. Now here's what I've learned about God. He is so good, He is so patient, and He is so faithful. He's like, "Son, that's okay. We'll learn the lesson again. I got all the time in the world, Torrance." (laughs) And so He brings you right back to those places. But I don't know about you. There's some Jericho's. I'm like, "Man, let's get this over with. These walls need to come down." And you know what? Resting the presence of God is where we hear His still small voice. He fights the battles for us, and there's no striving in His presence. The other thing is this, is that when we're resting in his presence, we get the specific instructions on what God wants us to do and where God wants us to do it. Because here's the reality is many of us, the walls of our Jericho are not coming down because we're fighting a wrong city. We're going in a wrong Jericho. God's like, I didn't call you to walk around that city. I called you to this territory. But many times because it's someone else's glory we want their story so i'm like well you know carla's writing a book and carla's speaking it must mean i want to uh, that's my jericho too god's like dude i didn't call you to do that at all i called you to be a principal at school like oh all right and i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna hit wall after wall after wall after wall and god's not gonna step in and help bring down those walls because he's like Torrance, i didn't call you that's not your path i called you over here and so that's why when we rest in his presence we get the specific instructions on that in the intimate places with God on what he has for us. And then not just what he has for us, but how he wants us to do it. So Saturday Supper Club, there's other churches that are like, we'll never have church on Saturday. God told you guys to have church on Saturday because there's a specific mission and calling that he has for you. Not every church has dinner afterwards, but that's at the DNA of who you guys are. It's a, and God told you that specifically. And that's because there's a specific land that he wants you guys to take here in Castle Rock. Obedience and faith is found in our Jericho. The number seven represents perfection, if you didn't know that, or completion in the Bible. God's plan is always perfect. But check this out. One number shy of seven is, of course, six. And number six is the way of man and signifies falling short. So one number right before seven is coming up short, is the way of man, is the way of the carnal nature, but seven represents completion. The number six represents the number of man also without God. Some of you guys might be in lap one, lap two, lap four or five, but you can't stop on six. You can't stop on six because lap seven is where the completion of God's work is and mission in your life is going to take place as the walls come down to your destiny. As a basketball coach, I I had the privilege of coaching um, boys basketball, Emma's age, but 17, 18-year-old boys, Um, and it was awesome. It was just such a great experience to coach them. Uh, In sports, if you've never been around sports or coached sports, it just provides an awesome opportunity for um, kids to get squeezed. And then what's inside of them comes out. And that's really why I did it. I mean, I like, like the wind, but I love the whole, like, psychology part of it and motivating kids. And, and, and that was just so fun. We did this thing, though, where starting the first uh, practice all the way to the last practice, um, when we we're dead tired and they're running sprints and all of that, I would make them hold up four fingers and just start saying, four, 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 four. They're suck- sucking wind, dying, four. four, four, four. And the whole reason that we did that was because we wanted our team to know, and we wanted the opponent to know, the fourth quarter is ours. Like, you, you may have won in the first, second, or third quarter, but we're going to own you in the fourth quarter. And not only are we going to own you, we're going to tell you. We're, we're going to announce it. We're just going to say, four, four, four is ours. And it was, this, it was this declaration, it was this proclamation that we will have victory in the fourth quarter. And tonight, there's some people that need to start speaking out a declaration that you will have victory on lap seven. There's some people that need to start saying, I may be in lap six right now, but lap seven is coming, and that means that my walls are coming down because God has declared it. Walls are coming down because God has a plan for my destiny and a plan for my life. I once heard a preacher say, if you knew that when you got to door number 31, You are going to have all your dreams, all your destiny, all your plans, all your purposes fulfilled for your life. Would you stop at door one? Oh, man, this door. I got to open up door one. Okay, door two, door three. No, you wouldn't stop. You would keep opening. You would keep opening. Door number 16, door 21, door 25, door 30, door 31, done. But here's the thing, when we walk by faith, not by sight, we don't know when door number 31 is coming up. All we know is that it's coming up. And here's the thing, God is working when I'm turning door number one, and I'm saying, man, God, I don't know. He's like, son, I got you. When door number five, when I go to that third job appointment and I get denied again, God is saying, you know what, I'm working right now on your self-esteem because you know what, when you were seven years old and your father said that to you and planted that seed of insecurity and and that you don't have worth, I gotta heal that right now in this moment. And I'm healing it by saying, I got you. You know what, that employer who just denied you, they don't determine your worth or your identity, I do. So then when you go into interview number five, all of a sudden you're not just going in there trying to give the right answers and do all the things perfect. You're like, man, this is who I am. Are you going to accept me or not? And they're like, we've never met anybody like you, Frank. You're exactly who we've wanted to be. <laughs> and Frank's like, oh, because he's operating in true identity. He's not operating from a false identity or a false self. But you know what? God had to keep creating those moments of pressure, those moments of will you trust me, those moments of, because it's in those, those pressure moments if you're like me, that I finally get quiet enough because I'm broken enough to hear what God is really saying. But when I'm operating from a place of I'm fixed and I'm whole, man, that's a dangerous place for Torrance. Because then at that point, I'm, I'm, I, I got it. I got it. I'm like the Israelites and I forget all the lessons and all the times that God has delivered me. And so God keeps us in that place of the door number 16, door number 21, because He wants to keep working on us. Here's something that I think is important too just a little side note, is a lot of times in our our Jerichos and our walls and our issues and our problems, we too many times want to uh, talk about it to other people. We want to say, man, you don't know about my Jericho. My man, he's this and that, and he's horrible, and I I wish I would get a new one, blah, 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 whatever the situation, whatever the problem is. And God's like, shh, just like the people in Joshua chapter 6, don't talk just walk with me, just because I want to talk to you about this. I I want this to be between you and I. One of the things I've learned um, in in my marriage is that it doesn't work well when something great has happened in my life, and I've told like 40 other people, but not my wife. (laughs) What I've learned is if something bad is happening in my life, or I'm having a problem, and I'm talking to everybody else, every Joe Schmo, and, and Beth has to find out for somebody else, She's like, hmm, I don't really feel super close to you right now or intimate because I didn't know that about you, and that was a secret place of your life. And I think that's what God is saying. Sometimes we're so quick to share with other people, talk to other people about our Jerichos, and God's like, man, I just want it to be me and you right now. I just want me and you because he wants to develop that intimacy in us, right? And here's the other thing that the, the, whoo, the devil loves this one, is when our Jericho or our problems or our walls start to become our identity. When we just start, that just starts to become who we are. Well, you know what? This is just, the, it's always my story. This is my cross to bear. And every prayer request is the same and every, God wants to break that off of you. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. That's not who God's created you to be is your Jericho and the walls that surround that. Almost done. You guys okay? Um, In uh, one of the, I don't know what the verse was. Anyways, um, in that one verse word, that one verse, uh, the, the praise, the praise part is incredibly important in this. You remember in the, that last lap, Joshua then gave the command of, "Now is the time to shout. Now is the time to lift up your voice and the roars." Here's what's amazing about that. is It wasn't like the wall was coming down, rocks everywhere, and then they were praising God and shouting, right? It wasn't like the walls came down and then they're like, amazing grace. House. No, 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 no. They're shouting. The walls are still there. That was that faith. There was that declaration of like, man, we declare now that the victory is ours, even while nothing had changed. It was that sense of like, I'll praise you in this storm, Because you're worthy, because you're good, because we trust the character and the trust the heart of who you are. And tonight, somebody in here needs to know that the key to your victory, the key to your walls are praising God right now in the middle of your circumstances, even when things haven't changed, even when they seem like they're worse. Praising God because he is worthy. Praising God because he is the God of Job, when he tells Job, who are you? Were you there when I hung the moon and the stars, when I created the earth? Like, no, I am God. And so he is worthy of praise regardless of our situations, regardless of where we're at. But here's the deal. Praise unlocks the keys to bringing down your walls. It brings it down. Man, I'm telling you, I think the enemy hates it when you're just You're in a situation, you're being grinded and you come out in the morning and how great is our God. See, I don't got no money, but sing with me, how great. I think he's just like, dude, what what am I going to do with this person? I'm just going to work on somebody else that's much easier to attack and go after. So we need to start praising and pushing through things with our praise, with our praise and our worship. It's incredibly important. God wants that and desires that for us. And here's the other thing that I love about it. The people that are around you that know your Jericho, know your situation, when they're watching you, like, what are you doing? Are you still praising God? Shouldn't you have cursed him and died? Like, what, what? I don't understand. Well, let me just tell you about who my God is. And you know what? Just this morning, he reminded me of how much he loved me. He brought me to Psalm 139. Here's what he told me, and I trust his word. I'm super excited. They're going to look at you and be like, man, either you really love Jesus or you're smoking crack. Um, and we know every time they're going to know it's Jesus, right? Yeah, it, the world needs to see that. It's, the world knows that we're Christians and everything's going great, right? Think, okay, but it's in the trials. It's in the tribulations. It's in the Jerichos that the world's like, man, I, there's something different about them. How can they celebrate? How can they trust in the middle of this situation? Praise and pushing, praise and pushing. Here's the last thing. Don't stop moving. You know, the the hardest part is just to keep moving. Sometimes, right? Uh, I was reminded today by a friend in my men's small group. He hikes with his little children, and they hate it. His, the kids are like, "Dad, we hate you for making us do this. They're going to be in therapy one day because of it, and it's just not good." But he he they they always it's really cool how what he says. They're always like, "Dad, how much further?" And he's just like, "Just one more step. Just one more step." Like every time they ask, they're like, "We're just one more step away." I won't, and I'm like, that's, that's a really great analogy. Like, it's just one more step. And just keep moving. And if you can't keep moving, find a community of people much like this that can help keep you moving, move your legs for you, carry you when you can't walk, sit with you when you need a timeout. But you know what? They're not going to let you stay there. They're not going to let you stay in that timeout. They're going to get you back up and say, okay, come on. Yeah, it's messy. Yeah, it's ugly. And sometimes... Sometimes, I'll be honest, we don't have the faith that it takes there in that moment. So sometimes other people's faith helps carry us in those moments. That's why community is so incredibly important. And don't you dare live in isolation because the enemy loves people that are isolated and will pick you off. And that's why the world, Castle Rock, this community needs churches like this. And you guys are representing that community. But you know what? There are walls that need to come down in our individual lives to unlock our destiny. So it starts with what do we see asking God for his eyes to see the situation. And you know what? That, happens, that needs to happen over and over and over again. God, how do you see this? God, how do you want me to respond to this? And then believing in faith, what he says. Going back to that, taking hold of that word and not swerving, saying I'm holding on to what God says regardless of the situation. And then that receiving is, in, is then in the moving you know, we all know great people like Smith Wigglesworth and Bill Johnson's and the Heidi Bakers and, you know, and all that. And, right? Here's what I think. I, I think sometimes the only difference from me and them and you and them is like they've just gotten really great at just receiving what God has already done and moving in it and really believing it. I think they're just like, you know what? God's already laid this out for me, so I'll take that, thank you very much, and I'll take that. Meanwhile, I'm like, I don't know if God really did give that for me. Did God really die on the cross so that I could live in total victory? I don't really know. I'm staying over here. Smith Wigglesworth is raising people from the dead because he actually believes it, right? And so we all have the same access by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We all operate from a place of victory. It's whether we choose to believe it, receive it, and then move in it. And so tonight... That's the prayer for you guys here in this church is that whatever that is, man, don't stop on five. Don't stop on six. Keep moving because there is a seven coming. There's a seven coming in your marriage. There's a seven coming in your business. There's a seven coming in this church, amen. There's a seven that's coming and we need to believe that because that's what God has declared. Let's pray. We, God, thank you for tonight and we pray right now, By the name of Jesus Christ, we speak to the Jerichos in our life. We say that the Jerichos are necessary because they are forming character. They are forming intimacy. They are forming faith within us. So, God, we right now thank you for them. We thank you for these situations that you have placed in our life. We thank you for the hardships and the tribulations because we know in it we are not alone. We know in it you are faithful and you will see us through. And we know in it, God, you are working this great thing in us because we love you. You're working something good right now in it. So, God, we thank you that as we open up door one, you're there. As we open up door six, you're there. As we open up door 30, you're there. And you're going to be there rejoicing and celebrating. The Bible says singing over us. Endure 31 as we step into that victory that will lead us to our AI, that will lead us to our promised land, that will lead us to the fulfillment that you have for our lives as we live out your plan in this kingdom. So God, we ask for spiritual eyes to see Lord, for you to open up our eyes to see situations right now in the name of Jesus Christ. To see them as you see them. To see our boss as you see them. Maybe it's an employer. Maybe it's, a, it's a, even a friend at school, God. That whatever the situation is, give us eyes to see the way you see. And then, God, we then ask for the belief to believe what you're saying based upon what you've shown us through that sight. We've come into agreement with that. And in order to come in agreement, we renounce fears, we renounce lies that are centered around the situation right now. And we say, Holy Spirit, bring in your truth and godly beliefs around how you see it, and we hold on to those. And then, one step at a time, we step into that reception of receiving it, receiving the blessings, receiving the breakthrough in our situations. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, we declare that it is done. And Lord, I pray for this body, when they see one walking around the Jericho that may falter, they may stop believing, that they would keep blowing their trumpet, but go back and get them by the hand and get them back in line and say, "Man, we're going to do this. Your seven is coming." That, God that they would anticipate and see see the needs, see the hurt, see see it, God, and come in and love around it. Lord, we thank you for the special work that you are doing here or in this body, and we say more, we say more, we say more. Holy Spirit, we want more, just like we were saying, and we want more of you, God. So set a fire and the hearts and lives of these men and women. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.